Hello, everyone. Hi. <laughs> we are currently sitting on the ground of our hotel room in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we are at the She Podcast Conference. Excuse me. She Podcast Live Conference. <laughs> um, and you are getting a... Well, by the time you're hearing this, we will no longer be at no. the She Podcast Conference. But the point is, you are about to hear a very special episode of Sleepover Cinema. In fact, you are about to hear our very first ever live recorded before an audience episode um audrey was not nervous i don't know why i was i really don't know why i wasn't audrey had no tears left to cry after all the things she's been through lately yeah yeah i'm hardened at this point she's hardened from public uh public appearances for sure (laughs) um but we covered hocus pocus it was really fun and we hope you enjoy it it's definitely going to be a little bit different than things normally are from us um namely that i'm terrified (laughs) and that it's very echoey but we think you'll enjoy it because you know you've gotten to know us you want to hear us do hard things and um you're gonna be able to tell the difference though for sure (laughs) you're gonna be able to tell yeah i like say multiple words that are like not english words i can't even remember what you did i said plop at one point when i was trying to say plot (laughs) so like that's a good litmus test i did not hear is a word but not the word i meant to use anyway happy halloween this is a festive episode as well. Um, and, you know, if you hear us do this episode and you're like, I want them to come d- and do a live episode where I live or something, no promises. However, <laughs> would love to uh, fund it. If you yeah, want to, if you have like it. a generous sponsor who wants to fund that, we would love to do it. But doing some sort of live event with listeners of the show would very fun. Obviously, be great to do outside of this conference as well. So, anyway, we'll stop talking. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls and gays of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today... (laughs) We are talking about 1993's Hocus Pocus. Woo! Very fun, very fun. Um, so now, at this point in our show, we always, you know, insert a little clip of the trailer, but in this case, we get to watch it, which is fun. So here we go. We're about yes. to watch it. Back in 1693, the people of Salem, Massachusetts, witches, thought they got rid of the Sanderson sisters for good. Uh, We shall be back! 300 years later, it's Halloween Eve, and they're back. We won't go again. We won't go again. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah. So, hi, everyone. Um, we are so happy to be here at the She Podcast Live conference today. How, how's your day been? Good? Everyone? Good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, before we get into everything, we just wanted to give like a smidge of context as to who we are and what we're doing. Um, so, I'm Hannah. I'm a podcast producer, musician, and writer based in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I'm the older sister, and I'm also a Leo. Now the, yes. now we got that out of the way. Um, I'm Audrey. I'm the younger sister, and I'm a cancer. And um, I am a filmmaker and an editor. And we just kind of do this together. Which yeah, is we've very been fun. we've been a podcast together for over a year. We just celebrated one year, um, and it's been thanks. Uh, <laughs> and it's been a great ride so far. So for the She Podcast Conference, we wanted something spooky. We wanted something early '90s. We wanted to get into it. So that's what we're going to do this evening. You know, get cozy, have some snacks, just listen to us uh, do our thing. Thank you for being here. Yeah. 
So, okay, are we ready to get into the facts? Yeah, let's get in. Okay. Let's dive in. So, Hocus Pocus was released on July 16th, 1993. Yeah, so you're thinking to yourself, why? July. Why July? Why? This is why. So, <laughs> the film was released in July because apparently they like, you know, like kids are out for school. So like they wanted yeah. the kids to come see it. And also controversially, Disney was releasing Nightmare Before Christmas that, that Halloween. Oh, so they gave Bette Midler the short self, Basically they basically. threw Bette Midler under the bus, which is unforgivable, but they did it. Well, they with, gave her a shot, you know, because true. if you're going to put Nightmare, what is it again? Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas, Christmas versus <laughs> Hocus Pocus, it's a little unfair. You can't do both. So I understand. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so also Hocus Pocus was directed by the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Ortega, the man behind the High School Musical franchise, to which we are forever grateful. Uh, he is also known for having directed uh, Michael Jackson's This Is It, a, a weirdly large amount of the of Gilmore Girls episodes. I didn't know that. Um, Cheetah Girls 2, Newsies, and music videos for Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, as well as the Pointer Sisters, I'm so excited. Who knew? Not me. Living legend. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, also the Rocky Horror with Laverne Cox. Nice. Yeah. Among many other things. Um, what versatility. I know. Uh, so, also, this is our first live episode ever, so you're like really in it with us right now. So yeah. thank you again for being here. <laughs> so Hocus Pocus was produced by David Kirshner and when I tell you the amount of Curious George content this man <laughs> has turned out over the past 10 years it was like straight Curious George down the IMDb he page. must really be invested he, must really, <laughs> he really cares care. about Curious George I'm not sure why um, <laughs> but at the time of Hocus Pocus he was mostly producing things kind of in this genre so Bride of Chucky the Flintstones live action movie which is a movie that like haunts my unconscious I haven't seen it in like a zillion years but I know it has um, John Goodman yeah. in it I think yeah. uh, it's like a creepy live action remake in my mind yeah they tried yeah it was an era for that kind of thing the yeah. live action like Scooby-Doo, you know. Yeah. Everybody knows that Scooby-Doo live action movie. Yeah. The two. Right. Um, and this guy also produced the Addams Family 90s series and Pirates of Dark Water, which I don't know what that is, but he did a lot of it. So I put <laughs> it right. on here. Cool. And before that, he produced a ton of TV. And then the other producer we have is Stephen Haft, who produced Mad TV from 1995 to 2008, and also Dead Poets Society, Emma, Tigerland. And apparently this man is in the mix of Hocus Pocus 2, which is yeah. filming now, coincidentally. So we have that coming up in life, which is exciting. He's, he's got the like serious film side oh, yeah. here, Absolutely. which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Hocus Pocus um, is respected then, like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the story of Hocus Pocus was uh, written by David Kirshner again, who we just talked about, and Mick Garris. And now Mick Garris is this guy who really considers himself to be like an authority on horror movies. I don't know if anyone knows who this man is, but um, he worked on Masters of Horror, Fear Itself, She Wolf of London, and the show Amazing Stories. And he also directed a lot of like kind of goofy horror adjacent projects and the Stephen King miniseries The Stand and he just loves horror clearly and this movie's like not quite there no I <laughs> wouldn't say it's on the Stephen King level yeah I don't that. think so but you know the interest was there so um and then the screenplay was with written by Mick and Neil Cuthbert who wrote Return of the Swamp Thing and that's pretty much it so <laughs> He made some good contributions, though, okay? Okay, Audrey. All right, so now I'm going to read the plot synopsis in case you don't know, which I'm sure most of the people in this room do know, but here it is. 300 years have passed since the Sanderson sisters were executed for practicing dark witchcraft, returning to life thanks to a combination of a spell spoken before their demise and the accidental actions of Max, the new kid in town. The sisters have but one night to secure their continuing existence. A, a bomb plops. Yeah. Plot if, synopsis. if you ever happen to listen to our show, I always read the plot synopsis and they're usually like terrible. They're normally very, very bad. Like even the ones um, that they use, like officially. Yes. So that one 
Not bad, not bad. That one I thought was strong. Yeah. Um, and we always read the taglines for the movies. And sometimes there's a bunch of options. They'll have like six promotional options. This one just has one. They were very sure of themselves here. Yes. And it is, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Snappy. That's good. Also, it's a line in the movie, I yeah. think. Yes, it yeah. is. It's Max. I like that. Like, it's all just a bunch of hocus pocus. Yeah. When he said yeah. that, I was like, hey. I said it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we're getting into the cast here. So it goes without saying. We have Bette Midler as Winifred in this movie. You know, an iconic role, an iconic moment. But when she was doing this movie, she was already an Academy Award winner, but she's a grand dame of the stage and screen. She is best known for being in... Obviously, Gypsy is Mama Rose, but as far as movies go, she's best known for being in First Wives Club, Hocus Pocus, uh, Ruthless People, and Beaches. And, okay, does anyone know about the Bet TV show? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I didn't know about this, but apparently she had, like, a sitcom that was, like, based on her life or, like, loosely based around her actual personhood, but it only lasted a season, so sad for Bet. I guess Aww. the people... <laughs> The people do not need more Bette Midler, which I disagree. I know. Maybe too. it just wasn't the right time. Yeah. I think she could do it now, though. She yeah, could, that would be this could be a, Not that we need more reboots. We don't. But <laughs> Bette? Bette? Now? Maybe. Oh, good. <laughs> um, and uh, she also was in Coastal Elites, which was the weird, like, quarantine show. Did anyone watch that show? It was like it was like a bunch of really big name actors delivering monologues like basically to their webcams. Right. But it was like very timely. It's like so timely that it's the sort of thing you look back on it and like, like even what? three months later and you're like, I can't do it. Like this it's is... so painful. Yeah. Uh, it was a show like that. But you know, she Yikes. did a good job from what I've seen of it. <laughs> Next up, we have Sarah Jessica Parker playing Sarah. Um, obviously, <laughs> wow. Sarah, I know. Sarah. I know. I thought about that, but I, I don't. I think it was actually a coincidence. Um, but obviously, we know her from Sex and the City. She's also known for being in The Family Stone, Divorce, First Wives Club. And I didn't know that she was rusty and footloose, but yeah. she was. So mm -hmm. good for her. <laughs> child actress her. who's made it this far um, and then we have Kathy Najimi as Mary and she's best known as uh, having been in Sister Act 1 and 2 she was also Peggy Hill for all of King of the Hill which I thought was cool that and, is cool yeah and she was also in the show Veronica's Closet underrated yes underrated yeah. being a voice actor you know yeah you don't tend to get the credit you deserve <laughs> No. And then we have uh, Omri Katz as Max, who seems to have basically stopped acting after uh, exiting childhood, which good Probably, for him? Yeah, honestly. I never know how to react when that happens. Like, is that because something good happened or something bad happened? Like, you never really it's know. It's different for everyone, I guess. Yeah. But you know what I heard recently is that Leonardo DiCaprio was potentially going to play Max, but then he was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, well, apparently he turned it down because of what's eating Gilbert Grape was happening at the same time. He had already shot it at the time, but he had the hype. Oh. He had the hype. Okay. And then he was, I think it was just probably not like tonally right, right. in his career. Right. I could see that. Well, it's also funny because when I f watched Hocus Pocus last week at the v in like the very first scene when it's Thackeray pre-turning into a cat, I like thought it was Leonardo DiCaprio for the first five seconds. Mm -hmm. So interesting. They were that, looking for someone that like look that. look was in the, in the mix at the time, clearly. It's a lot of just, a, it's a lot just about the hair though. Like if you look at top right, like yeah, that was the hair. That was the look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then next up we have Thora Birch as Danny, who was the younger sister. Um, she played Kevin Spacey's daughter in American Beauty. Hate to see Yikes. it. However, it's true. Uh, she was also Love Enid. Love her, though. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> she was Enid in Ghost World. She was Sally in Patriot Games. She was recently in The Walking Dead. And she was in 36-ish episodes of Day by Day before Hocus Pocus. So <laughs> she's been acting for a very, very long time. And then last but not least, we have Vanessa Shaw as Allison, the uh, girlfriend or like the hopeful girlfriend. Um, and she's best <laughs> hopeful. Known. She's not hoping to be the girlfriend. Max is hoping that she to will be, be the, the boyfriend. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and she's best known for being in Eyes Wide Shut, The Hills Have Eyes, 310 to Yuma. And that's basically it. So. This happens a lot with these movies. Like the, like the youngest actors, like 
don't have as much of a body of work or as the adults. Quit but or whatever. Makes sense if you think about it. So now we're going to get into the numbers. Um, so the budget for Hocus Pocus was $28 million approximately. Um, on box office opening weekend, it made $8,125,471. Um, that's not probably as good as they had hoped. Right. But... Um, it's not the biggest flop we've seen. No, not at all. Not the biggest <laughs> flop. Um, not even close. And just stay tuned because... Well, it's yeah. not actually a flop. Right, but it's actually not that good either. The overall worldwide gross is 39514713 So, $28 million budget, $39 million worldwide gross. That's not great for Disney. If we're, I guess not. It's like kind of not. But like the cult following clearly is doing something because they wouldn't be making a sequel if it wasn't yeah. for that. Yeah, I think it's definitely like a grower. Yes. For sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> now we're going to talk about how it was received critically. Um, there's a 38% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Ew. Boo. Boo. I had not seen that. Oh, God. Okay. So the critical consensus, yeah, literally. <laughs> was um, harmlessly hokey, yet never much more than mediocre. Hocus Pocus is a muddled family-friendly effort that fails to live up to the talents of its impressive cast. Sad. Truly sad. Wow. Um, Roger Ebert, the infamous film critic, gave it one star. One. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Um, And that sucks, because actually, I, I... kind of, I had like a bad taste in my mouth about Roger Ebert. And then as when we started this show, I started reading more of his reviews just to see what he was saying at the time. And a lot of them I do agree with. Yeah. So this... This one didn't, oh, didn't make it. Okay. No. But do you want me to read these yeah. excerpts? Okay. So um, this is an excerpt from Roger Ebert's review. <laughs> just prepare yourself. Just go with it. Okay. Hocus Pocus is a film desperately in need of self-discipline. It's one of those... It's it's one of those projects where you imagine every where you imagine everyone laughing and applauding each other after every scene because they're so convinced they're so wild and crazy, you guys. But watching the movie is like attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't know anybody and they're all in on a joke but won't explain it to you. One of the film's many problems... Okay, this is controversial to me. One of the film's many problems of the many problems. The greatest may be that all three witches are thoroughly unpleasant. They're witches. They don't have personalities. They don't have personalities. They have behavior patterns and decibel levels. A good movie. (laughs) Hateful, hateful. A good movie inspires the audience to subconsciously ask, give me more. The witches in this one inspired my silent cry, get me out of here. So Roger Ebert was not feeling I mean, it is a kid's movie. It's like, is it really for Roger Ebert? It's not for him. We ask this question a lot. Um, (laughs) A lot of times the critic reviews are from middle-aged men and we're reviewing like Aquamarine. So it's like... Maybe don't watch it. I, it's like not for you. Um, but, yeah. it, you know. Um, and then the audience score, this is some justice served, is 71%. So huge jump um, from critic Yay. score. This happens a lot with the movies we cover too. There's normally a very wide gulf between critic consensus yeah. and audience score. And we definitely dissect the reasons for that sort yes. of thing in the show, in every episode in different ways. Um, but we've got some various audience opinions. Um, are these from Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. Okay. So the first one is cheesy pantomime, high camp, but I like how the characters roll with it. You can see why this became a holiday classic. Don't expect a quality plot, just fun acting. <laughs> um, somebody else says the perfect Halloween movie, spooky, atmospheric, both fun and funny. And then our third 
anonymous audience member, says, I still have a crush on Sarah Jessica Parker after this. Hocus Pocus has a special place in my heart. As a kid, not only was I terrified of the witches, but I also had a crush on one of them. With my recent rewatch, I had just as much fun as I did when I was a kid. The Sanderson sisters were the perfect trio of witches. Hearing Winifred screech, sisters, brings back all the nostalgic memories. So the audience loved it and deserved, honestly, in my opinion. So, okay, now normally around this time, we talk about what was going on culturally in the moment that the movie came out. So we're going back in the time machine to 1993 for this moment right now. So in 1993, the biggest movies uh, at the time were Jurassic Park, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Firm, The Fugitive, Sleepless in Seattle, and Schindler's List. So... There was a lot happening. There's a lot going on there. Lots of mainstays came out in 1993, including Hocus Pocus. Thank you very much. Um, the top songs of the year included I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Wow. A moment. Big year. I Will Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf, LOL. Uh, <laughs> I Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40 and Creep by Radiohead. Clinton was sworn in this year. Uh, the first Got Milk ad aired in 1993. Haunting all of us in public school cafeterias for decades. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, also, the Michael Jackson Super Bowl performance was this year. And grunge rock was, like, really, really having its moment in this year. So, like, um, In Utero came out this year. A bunch of really big grunge rock albums came out in 93. And the fashion at the time is kind of where it's ending up now. Oh, yeah. So... The 30-year cycle is it, upon us, and it's very similar to how it is now. Um, what? What? Chokers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Chokers. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Absolutely. So now we normally talk about childhood recollections of this movie or like thing, like preconceived notions yeah. we had going into our rewatch. What do you have on this? Well, this is kind of scary for you. Yes. Because normally, obviously, we don't have an audience when we record this. So sometimes one of us is like admitting to have never seen an incredibly like loved film. And this is... I didn't see this until last week ever in my life. I don't know how... But it's true. So all of my takes are incredibly fresh. So that'll be an interesting ride for everyone here. Yeah. Um, And then I, it's funny. A lot of times I can't remember when I saw something for the first time, but I probably saw it on Disney Channel Mm -hmm. um, or like at a friend's house or something um, because I could remember when I rewatched it, I remembered like certain scenes. So I know I had seen it before and then I rewatch it kind of every year in more recent Mm -hmm. history because my roommate um, loves it. So we always watch it like in October. But yeah, so it's like one of those movies where we don't have a ton of childhood things to go off of. But I remember seeing images of the Sanderson sisters and being like, what is that? Like, I want to see that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess I have a couple preconceived notions. One of them is that Audrey and I have a... uh, hobby that neither of us knew the other one had which is that we're both really into like Disney theme park history videos what a thing to admit I know Damn. I'm literally doing it like in all these, from all these God, people. Uh, but it's great. true and we somehow connected the dots like maybe a year ago and I feel like for whatever reason, the Hocus Pocus sisters are like really featured in Disney Halloween things like in the park. So that's yeah. one thing. Oh, makes sense. And I also know that drag queens tend to love Hocus Pocus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean it's Bette Midler. Right. Of course. Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of what I had going into it. Um, but in terms of our love for Halloween things in general, we're both kind of scaredy cats. Yeah. Like, I'm really trying to grow, though. <laughs> I really am. Like, one time, um, senior year of high school, like, I tried to go to a haunted house because I was forced to go because mm-hmm. I had a, access to a minivan <laughs> that I could drive. <laughs> And so everybody actually showed up. Hannah was already in college. Yeah. But um, so she wasn't there for my traumatizing I, and experience. And trust, I wish I was there for yeah. what she's about but to say. But they all showed up in my house and were like, we're going. <laughs> they like made me drive. Yeah. And so we are from Ohio. So the, the haunted houses in haunted- Ohio are in the middle of nowhere in a cornfield. Like it's bad. It's if you are scared, if you are a scaredy cat, you might die. Like it's yes, it's bad. So I showed up knowing I was gonna hate it, knowing I wouldn't even 
last. So we get in the line and I had never been to a haunted house, so I didn't know what to expect. And it was one of those ones where the people dressed up will just run at you out of nowhere. Like we were in line to get tickets. A man with a chainsaw like ran up on me and I immediately lost my shit. Like it was like over, I was crying. I was like, I'm going back to the minivan. Like it's over. Yep. So that, yeah. And then didn't you but watch Titanic up. in the minivan with a random yeah. guy? I, I, I can't even explain that one. <laughs> this other kid from my high school was also scared. And for some reason he decided he was gonna try to have us watch Titanic <laughs> in the minivan. Extremely irrelevant story, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, my only haunted house experience is that when I was a freshman at NYU, like the only things I would really ever go super hard for were, again, with drag queens, like drag race related events. And there was a drag race haunted house in Manhattan. That's good. That's and, potent. And I went to it. It's the only haunted house I've ever been in, but it was, it was really scary, but also it was like, okay, like Courtney Act is standing right there. Like, like what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, it was like scary from like the starstruck perspective and the, they're covered in blood and they're going to stab me perspective. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind Ooh. of, I know. <laughs> Interesting crossover there. I know. It, it was kind of smart though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, we've always loved dressing up, obviously. What? We've always loved dressing up. Like that oh, part yeah. of it, never an issue. Yeah, that has stayed true. Also, the previous Halloween, I went to a different drag race event where I saw Shangela break her leg on stage. So yeah. there's been a lot, there's been a lot of drag race related Halloween things in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Um, How it should be. Anything else we have about our our preconceived <sighs> notions before we just Honestly, get into I think it? I think we should just keep on trucking. Okay. So we theoretically would take our little break right now, but we're doing this in real life. <laughs> so we're not taking our little break right now. Um, but but we are literally, I mean, I have a slide for it. Yes. So we we got to switch the slide, obviously. So, so do you want to? Okay. You want to say, we'll be right back. Yeah. Okay. We'll do this for the edit. <laughs> we'll be right back. There we go. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. And now we're back and we are getting into our evaluation categories for Hocus Pocus. So this is how we normally do this. We go through and we say, what was good? What was bad? What has aged poorly? And is it still worth watching today? So right. um, let's get into it. Yeah. So let's start with the good stuff. Let's start with the good stuff. So... Um, growing up, I was a dancer and we did theater and like just tons of musicals in our, like currently we're actually doing all movie musicals, um, yes. on the show. And so because of that, I've really been thinking about, um, when a director, when you can tell that a director understands movement and rhythm mm -hmm. versus having absolutely no clue. <laughs> yeah. And like recently we did, um, 2004, four? I don't know, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, 2004 right? Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. yeah, and like that is an example of a film where like the director has no clue how to edit with music, yes. like at all. Um, but this is not the case because the director, Kenny Ortega, is a choreographer. Right. So that bleeds into everything, the editing, the blocking, you know, like the camera movement. Mm -hmm. And so I was really appreciating that after having this like drought of directors who don't, <laughs> understand yes like why hire them for a music like this isn't a musical but there is there's a lot of music in it mm -hmm. um and so. it requires like a similar suspension of disbelief I yeah feel. so it's similar yeah <laughs> um 
Of course, I absolutely must address the Sarah Jessica Parker wig directly after they are de-aged. Okay. For some reason, after that, it gets more, it gets less curly. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. But right after they are de-aged, it's perfect. It's so good. (laughs) Um... I love when Thora Birch's character says, um, the weirdos are out. I don't know why. I just really enjoy that line. Um, And also, can we just talk about her lipstick situation? Yes. It's a moment. She's kind of giving it to us. She kind (laughs) of is. Like... um, She's just, her like super bright blue eyes. It's very striking. Yes. Um, So I I enjoyed that and that the fact that they gave it to her, like as a little kid, you know? Yeah. Um, I found that in general, there's great casting and chemistry here, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the witches. And like, I was watching a behind the scenes thing. Um, Well, I forget the name of the actress, the, the one that's less famous than the other two. Kathy Najimi? Kathy. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she was talking about how she was such a huge Bette Midler fan that, like, she literally used to write letters to Bette Midler, <laughs> put them on her doorstep about, like, when she was a kid, about how much she loved her and she wanted to be an actress, she wanted to be on Broadway, blah, blah, blah. And she said that she really channeled um, her fear of acting <laughs> next to Bette Midler <laughs> as, as, like, a motivator to, mm-hmm. like, match her level, kind of. But yeah. she said she was, like, actually terrified. I mean, that would be scary. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And then the guy who plays the devil, like he has like a, a short- Gary Marshall. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you sorry. Just... I spoiled it. I'm sorry. She okay. just stole my point. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. It's Gary Marshall and Gary Marshall is uh, the director of Princess Diaries and he's, yes. he's had a, he had- I think he passed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Legend. He had a really illustrious career, even in like the content that we like to cover. So mm-hmm. when I saw his face, I was like, oh, there he is. Grandpa, he's here. Yeah. And then I was also loving the fact that the I put a spell on you number is just like a pseudo drag performance. Yes. I know we keep talking about drag, but like it actually is very relevant yes. here, I feel. And it was blocked that way. And it just like gave me that. It was like on a stage. Yes. Like they just did it the way they knew they could slay it. Yeah. For sure. That, those, are, those are my main appreciations. Okay. Okay. So my main appreciations are, I love that the actual premise of this movie is that it's basically an I don't believe in Santa type thing. Yeah. But for Where Halloween. Like, All this Halloween stuff is so <laughs> wrong. Like I just love that you'd know that the point of the movie like in so many ways is like to just like dunk on this 14 year old and to like prove to him that Halloween is like real which yeah. isn't even a genre. Like this is not a, yeah. Yeah. It's not very common like as a storyline yeah. for Halloween. But One thing that we really love is like when stuff in, I like it when movies are simple. I like it when they make it obvious what, what's the journey we're going on. And that's another one of the notes I had, which is I love how they're like, it's all got to happen on Halloween night because we're not going to survive if we can't get the book back by the end of Halloween. It's just laid out before you so simply, you know, when, when everything will be tied up. I just, I like to be held in such a way. And I felt very held by this movie in that way. Yeah. I feel like when, cause uh, like you study screenwriting or playwriting or whatever, and (laughs) you know, when you can tell where it's going to go and it's very clear, there's something satisfying about that. Yeah, it's like the concept of like the audience needs to know when they can go home. Yeah. Like that's, that's, this movie lets us know when we can go home. (laughs) Um, So love that about it. Good screenplay. Um, I also love that there's so much in this movie. Like we love uh, fish out of water type movies. So like Aquamarine, obviously. Uh, We talk about Aquamarine a lot. We talk about Uh, it way too much actually. (laughs) Um, Elf like big, those sort of movies. And there's so much of this movie that's just like, what's a bus? Ooh, like people like not knowing like basic things, but then making it so campy that it's like pantomime borderline. Yeah. Um, I really loved that about it. Um, I was pretty impressed by the cat CGI. (laughs) Even though it's really scary, I was like, this is better than I thought. It's not too bad. 93. And um, the only thing I noticed about it is just that the, 
kind of like the lighting of it is wrong yes. in most shots. Yeah. Like the cat is too light for the shot. Like it's yeah. like, it, there's that, but yeah. still, I, I'm not going to critique it too hard. Yeah. And fun <laughs> fact about that cat, a lot of it was CGI, but I guess that they ultimately used the animatronic in Sabrina with Melissa Joan Hart. So it got repurposed in a very efficient way, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. Like who hooked them up? Like that's um, what I want to know. Probably the creator of the cat animatronic. <laughs> He's like going around He's Hollywood, like, like peddling his wares. Like he wants this Please cat. take this off my hands. <laughs> I don't want it. Okay. And then what else do I have? I mean, honestly, for good things, I think the thing that got me the most too was the really good jump scare. The part where the, the little girl, uh, Danny, gets like, kidnapped by the witches oh, and Sarah yeah. like jumps out of the bed I was like okay the people making this movie know how to make it scary they're just not making it scary because yeah. that jump scare really got me yeah I have to say oh it got you oh it got me oh wow <laughs> oh it got me it fully got me um so there's many and obviously it's a great movie yeah so now we have to go into the nitpicking part so yeah let's talk about <laughs> the things that were not so good you know, I actually didn't have much here because like when you're when we're covering a movie that has like political or real life implications, it's like a little bit easier to understand how it's aged or things that are questionable about it. But this one is so fantastical yeah. that it's like a little bit harder to Yeah, we're like entering reach zone. Yeah, like currently. this is like reach zone. Don't yeah. worry guys. Um but the like Disneyfication of witches is interesting. Yeah. Um, because it is based on the Salem witch trials. Like the Sanderson sisters, not real, but yes. the the event is real. And so the fact that Disney felt like, I was just surprised thinking about it that they felt they could make. I mean, there is a full execution scene. Yeah. You just see the feet. You just don't see, but yeah. Still, yeah. It's like not lighthearted at all. No. Um, and uh, I know there's like a lot of a lot of people in this country who wouldn't be down to let their kids like I remember when we were kids, a lot of um, or maybe not a lot, but some of our friends' parents wouldn't let them watch like Harry Potter mm -hmm. or like SpongeBob or like that doesn't do with witchcraft, <laughs> but you know, um, just various things for that reason. Like they didn't want them to see witchcraft. So the fact that Disney released this huge movie about actual witches yeah. um, was interesting I to me. I agree. Um, but it seems that people all around like loved it but I was wondering if anybody like objected to it ideologically I mean even I I went all the way to common sense reviews for this one because I was curious and really I didn't see anything that's too scalding huh. I thought there would be more but there really wasn't yeah because we've seen way worse for less yes less than actual witchcraft yeah yes that, it is that's true interesting it's um, true uh, I also felt that there are some pacing issues in this mm -hmm. um, movie. It has like the false ending of the witches being yes. burnt. Which I have qualms about that. Okay. Um, yeah, so we've got the false ending and then you kind of think it's over and then you find out, just kidding, they're still here. Um, but after that moment, there's still like 30 minutes left of the movie. Mm -hmm. And my brain kept telling me, it's almost over, it's almost over, it's almost <laughs> over. But then it wasn't, um, I don't know. Well, can I tag in on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of felt the same way, but the reason why they think that the battle is over is because they like shove the witches in an incinerator in the high school. However... Is it not the number one rule of witches that you can't burn witches? Like, literally. And I have double qualms with it because in the beginning, Allison, the uh, love interest, is like, my mom used to run the witch museum. I know everything about witches. But then she's the one who's like, they're dead now. We burned them. I'm like, Allison, like, you should know better. Allison, you're, you're lying. Like, Allison, where did it go? Where's where did the your knowledge, knowledge? go? <laughs> yeah. Like... And, she really and, and then she's the one who like opens the book, even though Thackeray told them not yeah. to open the book. And it felt, okay, this is reach for real reach, but very forbidden fruit to me. Like it was giving me that sort of vibe. Well, that is interesting too, because we've got this whole like under, it's not even underlying, this whole theme of virginity in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. 
what? <laughs> like if you are a five-year-old watching this or yeah. even like, you know, you, you could be like 12, 13, depending on your environment growing up. Like you hear the word Virginia, you're like, what? Right. I don't know what they're talking about. Then you go up to your parents and you're like, mom, what's virginity? Yeah. And they have to sell you and it's awkward for everyone. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. You're like, <laughs> that is funny. Like she's opening <laughs> like, like Adam and Eve vibes. Yes. yes. Oh. That's my reach. That's my reach. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Do you True. have anything else under bad? Um, the ending. It's something. <laughs> When they are outside the pearly gates, <laughs> literally. I literally wrote down in all caps, not the sister and not the cheek kiss. Cause it was so unsettling yeah. to me. <laughs> like the sister comes back from the grave and they're like happy to be back together. Mm -hmm. And then the, the cat's the guy again, but he kisses the girl who's like a kid. And oh, well, aren't they siblings? No, no. Like he. Oh, you're talking about the like zombie dude? No. Oh. Thackeray, who was once the cat. Why is his name Thackeray? Thackeray Binks, right? That's his name. Yeah. He goes over to Danny because she's sad that he's no longer an immortal cat. Oh, and right. And is right. Like, like kisses her on the cheek and is like, I'll always be with you, like in spirit. Yeah, and she's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say, this all the smushed cat imagery has to have disturbed some children. <laughs> is all I have to say. There's a lot of smushed cat in this movie. Yeah, that's sad. Then when he reinflates. Yeah, I feel like, well, when you think about this movie, you don't think about any of the stuff we just said. Yeah. <laughs> but it's no. totally there on rewatch. You're like, wait, what? Yes. Oh. For me, I just, okay, so because I had never seen this movie until last week, when I read all of the context for it, it always seemed like it was centrally the story of these witches but it's actually about Max, which yeah. I was really surprised by because all of the synopses of the movie are like, these sisters have one night to do this <laughs> thing. But then it's actually like, Max wants a girlfriend and doesn't believe in Halloween. Yeah, and then like, these sick witches are here, but they're like not they're even like the, main not character. the main character. Like, I just yeah. wanted, I wanted it to be like an hour and a half of slapstick from them. And I would have been happy with that. Right. And just going back to the good thing for one second, I want to know how they came up with all of those like incredibly specific like march things that they do and like little yeah. rhythmic things. Yeah. Uh, I was impressed with those characterizations. And I'm wondering if they made them all up or like they if the director did. gave it to them. I mean, yeah, potentially. He, he yeah. probably was like, you need something, yeah. you know? Yeah, they did. There's a similar thing in High School Musical too. Don't, don't talk. About we don't have to talk about Please it. Don't. But if you know, you know. There's a similar thing in High School Musical too. <laughs> um, I want to know why Sarah Jessica Parker gets to be hot in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad she is. Anybody could like they all could have been hot witches. Yeah. However, we only get one. Just one. <laughs> I just wonder about that. Yeah. Um, and then this is just kind of a she random. She got the smoky eye and the like the, the like, like truly like snatched. Like it was happening yeah. for her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And also, I thought the whole fiasco with like Max drinking the potion and then the potion like falling through, like tumbling through the sky in like a very Emperor's New Groove esque way <laughs> was uh seemed like it should have been in a cartoon and not in a live action movie. But again. It's all right. This movie is the way it, it is. It is cartoony. Yeah. They're larger than life. Yes. You know? Okay, so there's nothing actually problematic in Hocus Pocus. No. But we have some thoughts. I mean, it's a very white movie. Other than there's that. There's that. But yeah. as far as like the plot itself, not really. Not it's really. It's very fantastical. Yes. Um, but what do you have in this category? Do you have anything? Um, well, I kind of already mentioned them. Yeah, no, not they, I put them more in the like worse, I guess, category than problematic because it's there's nothing really to take a strong issue with. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I think I think really for me just I really was disappointed that Max was the main character. Yeah. And it's very fitting for this uh this uh I know, right? It kind of is. Um, this conference. <laughs> like we didn't want to see the boy like Yeah. We didn't want it. Well, and, and the thing that I thought was interesting about that choice too is that, so in the movie, there's like this running theme of like allegiance to your sister. And the main thing is that it's like, in the beginning, Max like thinks his sister is just like annoying and stupid and like doesn't want to help her like have a good Halloween or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, is um, it hard for you, Max? Yeah. 
Is it hard for you to go trick-or-treating? He has to play no. um, drums alone in his room on Halloween instead <laughs> of take his sister trick-or-treating. It's yeah. a very high priority. It's also funny how they give it the like, um, West Coast, East Coast dichotomy. Like why? Like why like is that he's there? from the, he's like a groovy dude from yeah. the West Coast. Yeah. Like he can't get with Halloween. People celebrate Halloween on the West yeah. Coast. Like <laughs> what's the problem? Yeah. Um, he's but, like wearing the tie-dye shirt. I know the tie-dye, like the tie-dye is it and like, for him. We didn't even touch on the bullies. Oh, but it's I'm like, gonna touch oh, on the bullies. Okay. I'm gonna touch on the bullies. <laughs> okay. um, so, well, let me talk about them first. Well, really my main thing is I was shocked when he left them to die. Yeah, that's kind of dark. When he huh? left them in the cages. And one thing we talk about kind of a lot on Sleepover is like when villains get like, aggressively disposed of like to the point where it's like more than it's even <laughs> called for and the example we talk about the most is just so stupid but the little mermaid 2 has they anybody seen, movie, seen that little mermaid 2 journey to the sea journey to the sea return to the sea return to the return sea. to the sea yeah we got we they, i mean it is they freeze her in a block of ice and let her sink to the bottom of the ocean it's, it's like dark god like that's like we were talking we were like can she not be like rehabilitated, she can't be rehabilitated. <laughs> there's no room for restorative justice it's like ursula's sister that's very yeah and so yeah. i kind of felt the same way about the bullies but i feel like it was a situation where like if we had watched to the end of the credits there probably would have been a tiny scene of them like breaking out of the house <laughs> like oh that was a close one but i don't know there is this but what do you have to say about them I just felt they were unnecessary to the entire movie. I didn't think they needed to be in there yeah, because she, he's already opposed enough. Like That's Max true. is already opposed. He's enough already oppressed enough by this by world. Halloween. Yes, <laughs> Halloween is bringing him down enough. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, but with the sisterhood thing, this is kind of what like if I'm nitpicking, and obviously I'm nitpicking. The thing that bothered me was that like it becomes about him wanting to like rescue his sister from being like abducted eventually but then like there's the whole thing about how the cat is like forever like in sadness and depression because he couldn't save his sister from the witches yeah. and so there's this whole like sisterhood allegiance thing going on and I'm like you have these three interesting sisters right here let's that talk about those sisters like that could have been your sister's story yeah. like I don't get why it wasn't that but at the same time it's like obviously they wanted to make money off this somehow yeah and like having a, the main character be Max will bring a more varied audience like yeah. had it been the Bette Midler show yes I don't know yes it's I true um and I also really hated there were so many moments where like the witches would be like about to do something really like powerful and like really like mess with them and he's like no you won't I know how to beat you and like just like <laughs> says something stupid and then it actually works yeah like that was so frustrating to me every time I was like I want these witches to be smarter and more powerful than him but they aren't which is so yeah, annoying I think this like has the issue of like I'm rooting for the wrong people <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like I kind of want the witches to win yeah well that's probably why it's a cult classic though is that it's like so obvious like like the interpretation of it that's not what the creators want you to do is like so obvious yeah that I feel like that's got and, and I'm it. wondering like Hocus Pocus 2 are we going to like do this plot um, I 2.0 I believe that that is what it is oh no but it's I like I wanted them to right their wrongs a little bit like, I know let's, I think it's girls this time, though, instead of Max and his sister. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm positive it will be. Yeah. Um, so I guess I just am interested to see if this, well, like in a world where this movie would have been written by a woman or like directed by a woman, I would be interested to see how the story would have been a little bit different. Do you know if it is this time, the second one? I do not know for sure. I, I would put money on it. well Kenny Ortega is directing and one of these oh. dudes from the beginning that I was talking about is producing oh okay. so some right. of the people are coming back yeah we'll see I'll allow it for Kenny I'm Ortega he's provided <laughs> enough he's fed us enough over the years yeah. I believe so final thoughts is this movie worth watching in yeah. 2021? Absolutely. Yes. Of course. Of course. Sometimes of course. we honestly say no. Like last week, we, um, last week, or actually yesterday, what day is it? Friday? Yesterday. Yesterday, we released an episode on 2005's Rent. And like, in our opinion, that is one that you don't really need to rewatch. Yeah. For it, lots of reasons. <laughs> listen to the episode if you want to hear why. Yeah. Uh, but it, 
whatever. Whatever. This, <laughs> this, one, this one stands on its own. Yeah. It's really, really great. Um, and I know that for so many people, it's like such a wholesome source of holiday nostalgia and joy. And I got into it. I really liked it. Yeah. I wish that I had like more of a hill to die on with this one, mm-hmm. but it's so good. Yeah. Sometimes we'll be fighting, but today's sometimes not one of those. Sometimes we are fighting. Today's not one of those days. No, we're in agreement. We're in agreement. Um, so yeah. anything else? I think we're all, I think we're all wrapped up at this point. Yeah. So Hocus Pocus, excellent choice. Absolutely to this rewatch. Day. Yeah. Spooky season. You got to do it. Go home, watch it again. It's on Disney Plus. You don't even have to find like a weird link. Like it's so accessible. Yeah. Sometimes that does happen. Yeah. The way we watched Sweeney Todd over the past two days has been suspect at most. Suspect. (laughs) We made it work. So, um... Thank you all for hanging out with us. This has been so fun. It's our first live episode we did it. So thank you all for being here. Um, And we hope you have a great rest of the conference. If you see us around, please come talk to us. And yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks so much. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.